Let's keep going through the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at it again together this morning. As we go through the list that Paul gives us of these characteristics that are a part of the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings into our life when we come into relationship with Jesus. We've talked about love, which is the supreme virtue of the fruit of the Spirit. It wraps all of the other characteristics of the fruit together. Um, And then last week we talked about joy. Joy is that, that internal happiness that's expressed out of spiritual realities, not earthly circumstances, right? It's, it's a happiness that transcends uh, the way life is going, the way, the way we um, are, things are coming against us, whether things are good, things are bad. It, it, joy is present and it fuels our endurance. And we talked a little bit about endurance, but today we're gonna look at the third virtue in the list. So Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. So peace is what we're going to look at today. We're going to think about peace. What is it? Where does it come from? How do we experience it when we walk in the Spirit? Uh, That word peace is a Greek word. Um, Irene is the name is what that word is and it's actually from a Greek verb the root of of this word peace comes from a Greek verb that means to bind together to to bind together so you think about how many times do you see people who seem to have a lot of peace in their life and what do we say about them they've got it all together right So there's an origin. That's kind of where that phrase comes from, this origin of this word that that means peace. It's equivalent to a Hebrew word that you might be familiar with um, that means peace. What what would you think that is? Shalom. Yes, you've heard heard that word shalom. This this in the New Testament is sort of the New Testament equivalent to what shalom would mean in the Old Testament. It means peace tranquility it means rest a resting tranquility Um, so if we're talking about peace in the context of all of these other characteristics of the fruit of the spirit we can to understand it we can apply some of the same principles that we've applied when we've talked about joy and and I'm sure that these principles we will continue to repeat as we look at all of these characteristics but As we applied the same principle we said about joy last week, we said that it's based on spiritual realities, not earthly circumstances, right? So let's take that same principle that we applied to joy and let's apply it to peace. So if we think about the earthly circumstance of peace, we know what earthly joy looks like. Well, well, what what would the world define as peace? Um, I think the world would define peace as the absence of conflict or the absence of fighting, right? And that's what we think of. If, if, if we go through a day where nobody fights in our house, we don't fight with our spouse, our kids aren't fighting with one another, nobody gets into an argument, we would call that peace, wouldn't we? 
We would say, we just want to maintain peace. We just want to keep the peace, which means we want to do everything we can to stop conflict, to try to stop fighting and arguing among ourselves. And that's kind of what the world sees as peace. Of course, this peace, the the lack of conflict would definitely be a, a byproduct of this biblical spiritual peace, but it's, that doesn't define this in, in whole. It's, it, this is a, a peace that's much deeper than that because if all, think about this, if all of mankind, if in one day, if all the wars all over the world If every nation that was at war against each other, every man that was at war in conflict against another man, if all of a sudden all of those things went away, and what beauty pageant contestants have said they wanted for years and years and years finally actually came to be, because what does every beauty pageant queen say they want? World peace. See, (laughs) I didn't even have to tell you. World peace, right? What if that really happened? What if every war was set aside, every conflict went away? The earth, uh, the, the worldly definition of peace, that would be pinnacle, right? That's, that's the greatest we can get. But that's not this kind of peace. Even if every war and every conflict on the world, in the world went away, there would still be the absence of this peace in the lives of people. So, as with joy, peace is a spiritual reality that, that abides in us that's independent from earthly circumstances. So you can have this peace even when there's no peace around you. Even when there's war and conflict, even in the midst of conflict that's going on in your own life, there, there, peace can be present. If all the wars ended, the peace of God would still be lacking in the hearts of most people. Yet, the peace of God abides in the hearts of believers if the whole world is at war around them. Right? We, that, that can be present if we find ourselves, and we do. We live in a culture and a time where there's war all around us, and there are countries where people are literally living out their faith, and they are experiencing this peace when war is going on outside their home in the very streets that they live in. And we know that. But they would say, we have a peace that transcends all of the war that's around us. Well, what, where does that come from? So to understand it today, obviously it's from the Holy Spirit as a part of the fruit of the Spirit, but I want us to, to, I want to talk about three aspects of peace this morning, and this is a, this is a good old Baptist three points, and they all start with the same letter. Y'all that, y'all that love alliteration, you're going to love this one, it's, it's, and, and it, just, it just was natural, it just happened. I didn't even have to work really hard to make it happen, it was just there. So here's number one, three aspects of peace. Where does peace come from? Number one, we have to understand the person of peace, okay? Before we can really understand what what this peace is and where it comes from, we have to understand that peace is a person. There's a, 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 peace is is first the identity of God, okay? It's part of who he is. Peace is not just something that God possesses, or something that God gives, peace is something that he is. 
Okay, so we have to stop and, and wrap our minds around that and make sure that we understand the difference. This is, this is, he is peace. He doesn't just give peace because the Bible often identifies God as the God of peace. You can find that phrase all throughout scripture. But I want us to go back and look at the prophecy in Isaiah chapter nine, the verse that we read at Christmas time. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, for a child will be born to us a son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and what? Prince of Peace. So we, we read this verse at Christmas time a lot and we sing, we sing these names of Jesus. But Jesus coming in the incarnation, being the fullness of God in flesh, is given the name by the prophet, Prince of Peace. So this, this talks about, this, this name exemplifies the nature of Jesus, therefore the nature of God, because Jesus is the fullness of God in human flesh, right? So this is, this is the identity of Jesus, it's the identity of God. Being the prince of peace, God has no conflict in himself. There, there is no, he is the God of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace because there's no conflict in God. There's no anxiety in God. There's no worry in God. There's no fear in God. So all of those things, fear, anxiety and worry and conflict, those are all things in, in the world that we experience that can try to take our peace away from us, right? Because we're, we're, not, we're not experiencing peace when we're afraid. We're not experiencing peace when we're in conflict and we, and we don't experience it when, we're, when we worry, when we're anxious about things. So all those things that take away peace, those things aren't present in God. There is no anxiety, there's no conflict, there's no fear in him. So Jesus, this is part of his divine nature. He is perfect peace. You got that? This is, this is his, who he is. Um, Ephesians chapter two. I wanna show you this passage. Ephesians chapter two, verses 12 through 14. Paul says, at that time, you were without Christ. That was before you believed excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners of the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. So Paul is describing here the unity of, of all believers, the unity of Jesus' church, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Because you understand that salvation came first to the Jews, but because of, of Jesus' work, God has invited us into the covenant. God established the covenant with the nation of Israel. He established the covenant with them, but through the blood of Jesus, we've been invited into that covenant. 
as Gentiles. Amen. We are invited into that. The covenant that he made with Israel. And so, so because of what Jesus has done, there is no division anymore. There's not these people who are part of the covenant and these people who are not. Because of the work of Jesus, everybody is invited. Okay? So there's unity. There's no division anymore. And that's what, that's what Paul is describing. But in verse 14, it describes Jesus not as the one who will bring peace that's outside of himself... It doesn't say he is the deliverer of our peace or the bringer of our peace. Verse 14 says he is our peace. You see that? Um, He is peace himself to unite all of us in relationship. So I've said this before. We have to see, when we think about peace, we have to think about peace as a person. And Jesus is not, I've said something similar to this before, Jesus is not the delivery man, he is the package, okay? It's, he is not the one who carries peace around and he brings it and delivers it and puts it into our lives and then he goes away. Jesus is the package. He is what has been delivered to us. He is our peace, okay? It's, it's wrapped up in him. So, I think that's essential for us to know peace. Peace is not something that's outside of God that he, that he gives to us. Peace is God he, in, in the person of Jesus, okay? So that's number one. All right, so here's your number two. There's the person of peace and there's the presence of peace. So this, this makes sense that if the person of peace is Christ, and, and, and God personifies peace, then wherever God goes, he brings peace with him. And wherever Jesus goes, he brings peace with him because he is peace. So if the presence of God is in our life, the presence of Christ is in our life, then the presence of peace is in our life. And you say, well, what does that look like in us? Peace in us is that tranquility of our soul. It's that stillness when we sing songs like, Be Still My Soul. That song is about peace. Because it's, that's the definition of peace for us. Wherever Jesus is present, peace is present. Um, let's look at John in the Gospel of John. There's two verses where Jesus specifically talks about the peace that he brings with his presence. John 14, 27 He said to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So there's that that distinguishing between where where there's trouble and fear, there's no peace. So he says, "Don't, don't let those things rule in your heart because I've come to give you my peace. The presence of my peace can come into your life because of me. And then later in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Or by the way, say, I have overcome the world. So Jesus 
came to be peace. He is the prince of peace, but then in being the prince of peace, he came to give peace, to, for the presence of peace to be in our lives. And the peace that Jesus gives is unique and different, like I've already said. It's different than, than the peace that the world gives. And any other version of peace um, will never measure up to that. I, we see in these two verses, I think, the, the paradox that, that we, we sometimes, that we, that we need to recognize, this, this spiritual paradox of how can peace be present even in the midst of, of a world that's, that's crazy. Well, in 1633, Jesus says he's made it possible to have peace. See that? So that in me, you may have peace. But then look at what he says in the very next sentence. You will have suffering in this world. So it would make sense the world would say, oh, well, if we have peace, then we won't have suffering. But that's not what Jesus said. It's this, it's this earthly paradox that the world can't understand until they experience it. He says, I've come that you may have peace, but you're also gonna have suffering. And he says, you're gonna have both of these things at the same time sometimes. Both of these things can, can be going on at the same time. Earthly peace only exists when suffering isn't around, when suffering isn't near. But Jesus' peace lives and thrives right in the middle of trouble and suffering. And some of you know what that's like because you've experienced it. You've gone through amazing trouble. And maybe even in yourself, you've, you've sensed the peace of Jesus. And even on your own, you think and say, well, this, like, how does this happen? Like, how do I experience that? How am I, how am I feeling this way? Or we see our loved ones or we see our friends who are going through just the most horrible things. And we can just see the peace of God in their life. See, that doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense. Everybody who was, who, who was a part of that series that we did, all the testimonies, like all of those, it was pictures of this. All of those stories were pictures of this peace that, that in the midst of trouble, in the midst of tragedy, there's this thing that holds us together. And it's the peace of the Holy Spirit. And say, how does... How does Peace stick around when everything is falling apart because peace doesn't come from all the stuff. Peace comes from Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus. So when he comes, he stays. And when he stays, it doesn't matter what else is going on around you. Peace is still there. And it doesn't go away. He doesn't give peace through circumstances. He gives peace through his presence. And the peace he gives is unique. It's not just a unique peace in what it is, but it's unique in the way he gives it. Because he, he can give it in the midst of trouble. Because suffering and then the trouble and fear, suffering is what will come into our lives. The trouble and the fear in verse 27 is what will happen to us if we don't 
recognize and walk in and acknowledge the peace of Jesus. He says, I've come and I'm present with you so that you won't be troubled and fearful when the suffering comes, but you'll experience this peace that is in me. So that in me, you may have peace, not in your circumstances. So when we, having given our lives to Christ and accepting him through faith, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and so the presence of Jesus is in us. So the person brings the presence. But then the third thing, this leads us to number three, there's the person of peace which brings the presence of peace which results in the practice of peace. Now this is where we have to understand what peace is or who peace is and then, and then where it comes from but now we start thinking about well how does it play out? Like how do, how do we experience it? Remember the fruit of the spirit is, is active, right? So we, we, we're using that word produce like produce, produce, well, however you want to say it, it applies both ways, as that's, that's the purpose of the fruit. The Holy Spirit puts the fruit of himself in us so that it produces something that comes out of us. So if peace is, if Jesus is peace and his presence is in us and peace is in us, peace is made to come out of our lives. It's made to, to we're, we're to produce peace in our lives so how do we do that how do we cultivate that fruit of peace that's in us I want us to read um, go to Philippians 4 and and think about this this way specifically for a minute Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 and then and then skip skip into verse 9 it says don't worry about anything right Jesus says anxiety trouble, worry, I've come that you not have those things. So Paul says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through what? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Present your request to God. And then what is the result? And the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. There it is again. It's the identity of peace, which is God, the presence. Peace comes from a trust in the identity of God. Peace and trust really go hand in hand. We only experience peace in our life when we're able to trust. And who do we trust? Do we trust circumstances? No, because that's not where peace comes from. We trust the person of peace. So it's, it, the, the practice of peace comes from trusting in the person of peace. When we sing songs, we, Dan did a wonderful job. Again, I want you to like go back and listen to the songs that you sang this morning and see the connections there, how these songs talked about peace. When we sing, my soul will wait, there was a phrase that we sang over and over. I will 
trust in you. Right? The practice of peace is wrapped up in the practice of of trust. And so what is one of the ways that we build our, our trust in God? Well, Paul connects it here to prayer. So we, we learn to build trust in our life. That, that helps us to experience the peace of the Holy Spirit. But, but how, do we, how do we build up our trust? Well, Paul says here one of the ways we build that is through prayer. Peace is essentially connected to prayer in, in this passage. Because the more we pray, the more we recognize the work of God. Um, I think so often we miss God's work because we, we don't pray. Like how many people in the world or how many of you ever heard people say, well, I just don't see God doing anything. Does that mean God's not doing anything? Of course not. He's always active. He's always working. The reason our eyes aren't open to his work is we're not looking for it. We're not anticipating it. Um, Everybody knows what Where's Waldo is, right? I I should have gotten a picture, like a Where's Waldo picture and put it on the screen and tried to get you to find Waldo. We all know Where's Waldo. How hard would it be for you to find Waldo if no one showed you what Waldo looked like? What if somebody gave you a Where's Waldo picture and said, find Waldo, but they didn't tell you what Waldo was wearing? That he doesn't, they didn't tell you he's got the red and white striped shirt, he's got the hat, he's got the glasses. They don't tell you what Waldo looks like, just gives you a picture of a multitude of little cartoon characters and says, find Waldo. You gonna be able to see Waldo? Will you? No? Good morning. I know it's 8.30, come on. You'll, you'll, you'll never find Waldo, right? Because you don't know what Waldo looks like. You don't know how to recognize Waldo in the midst of all the other stuff. I see God at work in the world because I'm looking for the image of him in all of the situations that I pray about. When I pray over someone's sickness, I pray over someone's salvation. When I'm praying over an opportunity, praying over a decision that has to be made, praying over a circumstance that's outside of my control that I can only trust that God is able to change. I'm looking for his work in those things because I've seen it before, right? I know what it looks like. And so we pray looking for him to do what he does and then when he does it, we go, hey, there it is, right? You know what I'm talking about. And when we don't pray, God's work and identifying it just, just passes us by and we don't see it because we're not looking for it. Because we, and, and you say, well, how do we know what it looks like? We, it's scripture, we see the image of God in his word 
And when we pray over these things in our life, we're, the more we know who he is and what he looks like and what his work looks like, we're able to see it. And when it happens, we go, hey, look, there it is. There's an answer. There's God at work. And the other people, the people who aren't praying, look and go, what are you looking at? I don't even know. What are you talking about? And you go, there it is. Because you've been praying over it. You see? And the more we pray, the more we recognize his work because he's always working. And the more we recognize his work, the more we, we're able to trust that he's doing it because we can see it. And so prayer lets us see his work. And the more we see his work, the more our trust is built in him. Because we see him answering. Now, he may not answer exactly the way we want. But even in the times that he doesn't answer exactly the way we want, we can still look at it and see that's him. This is, this is what I wanted. This is what I thought was going to happen. But then sometimes it builds our trust even more. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it builds my trust in God even more when he answers in some way that I wasn't even expecting. But because I know who he is, because I've seen his presence, I've seen his identity and his word, I've seen his presence and his work in my life and other people's lives, we're able to look for it and find it and see it. And it builds our trust. And the more trust we have in him, it brings peace because we know that what he says he is and what he says he's going to do, he's actually going to do. And we can rest. We can be tranquil. The peace of God then, Paul says, will guard my mind and heart from anxiety and worry. The peace of God guards her because like we said before, can't our minds and our hearts just sometimes go into this spiral? And if we're not careful... If we're not allowing the peace of God to guard our minds, we'll begin thinking in ways we shouldn't be thinking. Well, what if he doesn't? Or what if he can't? Or what if this doesn't happen? Or what if that doesn't happen? Or what if he doesn't hear me when I pray? And all of these things in our minds, can, Satan can put all these things in our minds. And he says, no, the peace of God will guard your minds when you're trusting Guard your mind and your heart from anxiety because you can see him even when he doesn't answer the way you want. And he says that this peace of God passes all understanding. That's one of my favorite biblical descriptions of the characteristics of God. It, it passes all understanding. You know what that means? That means sometimes you will experience the peace of God and you won't get it. You, it you, you'll, you'll know it's there. There'll be a trust and a confidence in it, but you, you won't be able to explain it. You won't be able to tell uh, somebody about it because you can't, you can't understand it. I feel like peace so often is something that just has to be seen in us. It's so hard to explain the peace of God to somebody, isn't it? It's much more effective. It's much more real for them to see the peace of God in our lives. 
Sometimes we won't get it and sometimes the world won't get it because it surpasses all understanding. Doesn't matter how smart you are. All understanding means all. So that means nobody's ever gonna be able to understand it because it surpasses all understanding. And like I said before, my inability to understand it to me through the eyes of faith makes it even more real when you can't understand it. Because I'll tell you what, you can't fake peace. You can't fake peace in your life. You, other people can't fake peace. You, you, you might try. But it's, you can tell when somebody is really living at peace, when their life is at peace and when it's not. They can say whatever they want to say. You can put up, you can put up whatever smile on your face. You can do whatever you want to to try to cover up that anxiety and that turmoil, but you can't, you can't fake peace. God not only gives us the practice of peace in our relationship with him, but, but also in our relationship with others too. So there's the practice of peace in our relationship with him, but I want us to look at one more passage. Um, well, not one more, but another one. Romans chapter 12. How peace comes out in us. So there's this peace that we experience in our relationship with God, but also with other people. Romans 12, 17 and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at what? Peace with who? Just the people you like? No. Just the people who don't get on your nerves? No. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We too often put the responsibility of peace on someone else. And sometimes the person we're putting the responsibility of peace on may be someone who doesn't even know Jesus. And what an unfair, unrealistic expectation we would have for someone without the Holy Spirit to carry the responsibility of peace in a relationship with us. So Romans says it's on us. If, if peace lives in us and the presence of peace in Christ is in us, then it should come out in our relationships with other people. Now, verse 18 has some important words. If possible. So that tells me that there are some cases it may not be possible, right? Because it says if it's possible, so that means it's not always gonna be. Sometimes we may extend peace to somebody and because they don't know peace, they don't know Jesus, they may not respond. They may not reciprocate that peace. But he says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, you do all that you're able to do to pursue peace and then you leave the rest to Jesus. I think too often we decide for God that a pursuit of peace with someone just isn't gonna be worth it. So we don't pursue it. I, I've done that. 
where you see this and you say, there's no, there's no way. So I'm just, I'm just going to leave it be. I'm going to leave the conflict. I'm going to leave the, 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 the anxiousness, the weird, whatever that is. Whatever's between us, I'm just going to leave it. Because even if I try to make peace with them, it's not going to do any good. Well, then I've not obeyed verse 18. Because it says, as if it's possible, knowing that it may not be possible, but as far as it depends on you, that means I should be able to walk away having said, I have done everything I know how to do. And if it's still not possible, then then the rest is, is up to the Lord. But as far as you're concerned, as far as you're able, do everything you can to be at peace with people so that peace of God comes out in our relationships with people too I titled the message anxious for peace because that kind of sounds like a contradiction but because where there's anxiousness there can't be there's not peace you either have one or the other and the, and the world is full of anxiousness the world is looking for peace do, do, you, do you feel that anxiousness this morning? Or you may be here and, and, and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have the kind of peace that you're talking about. That, that's just it. Like I said, you can't fake it. If, if you have the peace of Christ, the presence and the person of Jesus in you, you've experienced that peace. You know. But if you're here and you're like, I don't know. I don't know that I have that. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. This is one of my favorite, favorite passages in all of the New Testament. If if I'm anxious for peace, where do I find it? Verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, meaning Jesus. And through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. How ironic is it that Jesus had to go through such earthly conflict, physical war, and shed his own blood for what purpose? To make peace. To make peace between you and God. Because the Bible says that we were enemies of God. In our, in our lost state, we are, we are rebellious against God. We're enemies of God. There was no peace in our relationship with him because of sin, because of rebellion. From the time sin came into the world, our, that peace, tranquility of our relationship with God was completely shattered and broken by sin But that's why Jesus came, the Prince of Peace. He came and he gave his own life's blood to pay the sin debt that we owed and to bring an end to the conflict, to bring an end to the the hostility between God and man. And Jesus made peace through his blood. When we sang earlier, we talked about the blood. We said there's power, power, Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. The power in the blood of the Lamb is the power of peace. 
He, that's, that's the power that, that the blood brings. It was the power to bring peace where we could not bring pre- peace between us and God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace? We have peace because Jesus came and made peace through the shedding of his blood. And so because of our faith, Romans says we are justified by our faith. When we put our faith and our trust in him, real peace is only found in a relationship with Jesus. In his presence in our life. And if he's not present in our lives, we can't know this peace. And this morning I'm confident that you you know whether his peace is in you. And if you don't, and if you know you don't, there's no reason that that peace can't come into your life right now in this moment. 